Today's an exciting day. It's an important day, as we've already talked about. It's a day that we anticipate and look forward to the the semester and the rest of the year. Next Sunday is Promotion Sunday for us. Excuse me, for us as our children, our youth, even some college students will be graduating out of their areas and into new life groups and and Sunday school groups, and we look forward to that. Uh, Suzette will, uh, our minister of discipleship and children, will be leading next Sunday from the pulpit. And then the next Sunday is Tailgate Sunday. Uh, they actually have scheduled a college football game on Saturday night, on Sunday night here in Norman. And we're going to still do church on Sunday morning, have an incredible worship time. We're going to have breakfast together, encouraging everyone to wear your, your team's favorite colors, whether they're the crimson color or the, the red color of the Houston Cougars or of whatever school you're a part of, whatever school you want to support their, their colors. And it'll be a fun day, an exciting day. And on that day, I will begin a, a series that will take us into the fall called To Love One Another, in which we certainly look at that great commandment of Jesus from John chapter 13, where he says, a new commandment that I give you to love one another. And then as we look through the rest of the New Testament, particularly the writings of Paul, who will teach us and help us to understand what it means to love one another in these powerful one another passages that he includes in his letters to the, to the New Testament churches. So I want to encourage you to be excited and to be anticipating our time together in worship over these next weeks. But today we look forward, as I said, with the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Supper is also a time in which we reflect and we remember. And so today we kind of complete our, our summer worship focus, which is, has been stories of faith. We have looked at that passage out of the faith chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, where the author of Hebrews says, if I only had time to tell you of the stories of Gideon, of Barak, of Jephthah, of Samson, Samuel, and David. And we took time over this summer to to tell their stories and to celebrate their faith and the way God worked and moved through them. And we also looked particularly at the story of Jephthah and where we saw his lack of faith and some of the tragedies that were reflected around his life. But today we look at the story of King David, David was not a judge. He was not a prophet in that traditional Old Testament sense. He was one of the great kings. In fact, the greatest king of Israel. But today we encounter him and we meet him first as a shepherd boy. Now we're not going to be there very long, but if you would like, you can turn over to to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And that's the the chapter in which we encounter David for the first time. He's just a, a shepherd boy. Um, We find him in the sheeps there. If you'll remember, uh, Saul had fallen out of favor with the Lord and it was Samuel who was out looking to anoint a new king. And Samuel went to Jesse, was led to Jesse and began to interview his sons. And there in that moment, as as Jesse and and Samuel bring the sons of Jesse before before the Lord and they rejected each one and, and and Jesse's out of sons. And Jesse says, oh yeah, there's one more, David, out in the sheep's fields. And what we discover very early on, in fact, one of the key characteristics 
of the life of David that, that is portrayed and emphasized in Scripture is that David was a man after God's own heart. And there in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Scripture says and tells us that while God rejected all the other brothers of, Jesse, of David, that He accepted David. Why? Because the Scripture tells us that God looked at the heart, at the inner man, and there God found one who sought after Him, who sought after the heart of God. In fact, the Scripture tells us there in that moment as, as Samuel anoints David that the, the Spirit of God came mightily upon David. And even in the midst of David's great successes and his great failures and tragedies, the unique characteristic of David throughout Scripture is that he's a, a man after God's own heart. But notice as we would continue to read in that chapter 16 that, that it's not just about David the shepherd. We're introduced to David, the one who also spends time in the king's court. Notice that it's David that, that Saul seeks out. The Spirit of God has departed from Saul. The Spirit of God has come upon David. And there through his giftedness as a musician, as a, as a harp player, Saul invites David into the, into the court, the king's court, into the king's palace, the king's dwelling place, so that David might minister unto him. And there in that last chapter, last verse of chapter 16, the Scripture tells us that, that David would take the harp and he would play it, and Saul would be refreshed. He would be made well, and the evil spirits would depart from him. David, a man after God's own heart. And so what I would suggest today is that the shepherding fields and that the king's court were two central life-shaping contexts of David's formative years. And that these formative years, the context of these formative years as a, a shepherd and as one who dwelled in the king's court, these are reflected in a powerful and beautiful way in the 23rd Psalm. So let's turn there and let's work our way through these six short verses as we would prepare to partake of the Lord's table this morning. Psalm 23, the first four verses, let's read those. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. Because of these first four verses of this beautiful psalm, this psalm is often referred to as the psalm of the Good Shepherd. You see, verse 1 tells us all we need to know about that Good Shepherd. Again, David growing up as a shepherd, knowing and understanding what a, what a Good Shepherd would be in, in his mind, being led to understand that surely God must be this good and great Shepherd of His people. We discover that a good shepherd meets all the needs of his sheep. Just very briefly, we see that the good shepherd provides a, a place of rest, a place of nourishment for his sheep in those green pastures. Those green pastures where a sheep could go and, and, and rest in peace 
be reinvigorated for life, having that nourishment right around as they would rest, as they would eat, as they would sleep, as they would be renewed for life. But we also see that the Good Shepherd not only provides, but that the Good Shepherd leads. The Good Shepherd leads His sheep to those still waters, those quiet waters where, again, we can be renewed and refreshed on a, on a particularly hot day in Oklahoma. How refreshing to come alongside those cool streams to drink, to immerse ourselves, and to experience the renewal, the presence of God, the Spirit of God. The Good Shepherd leads us not only to still waters, but also into paths of righteousness. The Good Shepherd leads us into wisdom for life. The Good Shepherd helps us to understand the truths of life, how we were created, and how we're to, to live that out in a way that allows us to be prosperous and fulfilled in the life that he's called us to the good shepherd also restores not just our bodies but restores our soul provides us that place of rest and of peace the good shepherd accompanies us in that important to understand the good shepherd doesn't walk with us to the valley of the shadow of death and deposit us there the good shepherd walks with us through accompanies us through the valley, the shadow of death. You see, the Good Shepherd accompanies us through the other side of the shadows and the darknesses of life. And it's the Good Shepherd who brings comfort with His rod, with His staff, who brings protection. There's that sense of safety and security when we rest in the presence of the Good Shepherd. There's a story, really a tragic story of a a young boy who had cancer, and it was a, a cancer many years ago. Thank goodness for medical technology and that we're able to have victory over many kinds of cancer even today and even in the midst of those that still struggle with, with cancers that we still fight to, to find healing from. But years ago, a young boy stricken by cancer, and his mother taught him a, this psalm, and he said, Son, take your hand. And these first five words, I want you just to, to mark off with your fingers. Thee, Lord, is my shepherd. And she taught him that song and that psalm. And every time he would say that, Thee, Lord, is my shepherd. And she said, Son, when you, you get to that word, that, that word my, I want you just to wrap your other hand around that ring finger. And in doing so, be reminded of God's presence and of His comfort and His, of His love for you. The Lord is my shepherd. And over the next months, certainly the boy got weaker and weaker. This passage brought great strength and comfort to him as he walked, as his family walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And on that day that that boy went on to be with the Lord, his mother found him in bed with his hand wrapped around his ring finger. Because why? Because the Lord was his shepherd. And even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, through the darkness, the struggles of cancer, he was confident that whatever would happen, that the Lord was with him and would see him through to the other side. 
Oh, that we would always remember that the Lord is our good shepherd. But as we continue in verse 5 and 6, we see another aspect of who the Lord is. The Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, I'm reminded of those early informative years that David spent in the, the household of King Saul. Oh, how he must have seen the banquets that were held, how, how guests would come in and, and in that culture where, where oil, perfumed oil would be used to greet and to welcome and to refresh those guests, how, how David must have seen those weary travelers coming from different places and, and how they were welcomed with a great gift of hospitality and anointed those perfumed oils. David saw that their cups overflowed with, with the hospitality, with the welcome of the moment of being the guest in that place. You see, the Lord is also, I believe, our good host. I remember just this last week and on many occasions as we celebrated the life of Bear Jensen, Before the funeral, the family met downstairs for a banquet, for a meal around the table. And I thought to myself as I was preparing for this moment today, I thought, what a powerful picture that the Lord provides a banquet for us in the midst of our enemies. You see, kings back in that day on the, the eve before the battle would get as close as they could to the, the front lines and, and they would throw a huge banquet and a, a huge celebration with lots of, of noise and revelry and, and, and activity to show that the other, the enemy, that they weren't afraid. To show the enemy that they were confident that they were going to win the battle. And what a beautiful picture of us gathering before the time to remember a life and to celebrate an eternal life, to, to gather as a family, and to have a banquet, saying, yes, that even though we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because we have victory over death. And what better way to, to demonstrate and show that by saying, let's sit around the table and have a banquet and tell stories and laugh and cry over a life well lived. You see, the God, the Lord, is our good host. And in verse 6, the Scripture tells us that, that as the good host, that goodness and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our life. Again, David must have seen in King Saul's court hospitality at its finest. He'd observed the work of, of a good host. He saw banquet tables at their fullest, perfumed oils to honor guests, cups overflowing with wine. He saw the joy and the honor of dwelling in the house of the king. And he witnessed the goodness and loving kindness of having favor with that king. Have you experienced the hospitality of a good host? I would encourage you to stick around here for a while. We have some incredible hosts in our church, and, 
and, and in their homes and in church events to, to show and to demonstrate the gift of hospitality is an incredible act and reflection of who God is. Wilson starts school this week. He's our baby. He'll be a senior. He's overtaking me in every way physically. And we're looking forward to this year. And I remember the incredible gift of one of the great hostesses of our, our church, Leanne Williams. How she would come to us each time that one of our older children would, would graduate. And she'd say, and they live, as you know, the Williams live right out by Lloyd Noble. And, and she would say, we want to host your family for, for dinner right before graduation. And I said, oh, but Leanne, no, it's, it's just too rushed. It's too busy. And, and graduation is early. And it's just a mess. We've got all kinds of family coming in. We don't even know which family's going to ultimately show up. And she said, oh, but Brother Wade, please let me host your family and and she would talk to Morgan or the twins and whatever you want and and she would give them the menu of their choice and then she would get a hold of Gay and she'd have pictures all over the place and 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 streamers and balloons and and just this incredible place the chocolate fountain was flowing it was incredible and she welcomed us in with the gift of hospitality and and all the time we were apologizing because we had to leave to go to graduation oh go on go on go on i'll take care of it it's not a mess it's my joy have you experienced the gift of a good host the lord the lord is our good host and as we turn the scriptures from the Old to the New Testament, what we discover is that the Good Shepherd and the Good Host have a name. His name is Jesus. John 10, verses 11 through 30, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. And he goes on affirming those, those gifts and qualities of the Good Shepherd in Psalm 23. But Jesus goes on and he says, what you need to know is that the Good Shepherd is willing to lay his life down for his sheep. And that the Good Shepherd knows his sheep so well that he calls them by name. And he calls them by name and they, they follow after him and they, they obey him. If you've ever worked with livestock, you know that that, that when it's feeding time, that, that call or that honk or just the, the picture of you coming into the field or that truck or tractor, the, the, the cattle, the sheep recognize and see that and they come because they know that you're a good shepherd, that it's time to feast, that you will care for them and take care of them. You see, the good shepherd is one who calls his sheep and they obey and they follow. The good shepherd gives eternal life to his sheep. And Jesus says that I willingly lay my life down and that my sheep will never perish. They will never die. And that no one, no thief, John 10.10 10 says there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And just a few verses later, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and no one, no one comes to snatch my sheep. No one comes to steal, kill, and destroy my sheep. I'm the good shepherd. And of course we see Jesus as the good host, feeding 5,000, welcoming children to come into his, his presence, into his midst when children were typically scurried away. 
We see Jesus inviting himself to the house of Zacchaeus. And I guarantee you that Jesus was the good host in that moment. And on the night of his betrayal, Jesus went into the upper room and the good host washed the feet of his disciples. And he led them through the Passover meal. And as only a good host can do, Jesus reinterpreted the, the Passover meal. He reinterpreted the bread and the cup. And he declared a new covenant. You see, Jesus, the good host, prepares for us a table. As the good shepherd, he lays down his life, his body broken, his blood poured out. But as the good host, he invites us to his banquet table. Even in the midst of our own enemies, even in the midst of our own challenges, even in the midst of dark valleys, Jesus invites us to his banquet table. See, church, this morning, the banquet table of the Lord is before us. Notice the wheat, the bread. Notice the body of Jesus broken. Remember the prophet Isaiah who says to us, our griefs he bore, our sorrows he carried. He was pierced, he was crushed, he was chastened, he was scourged. We are healed because the body of Jesus is broken. He bore that, he took that on for us. And then we see the grapes, we see the cup, we see the blood of Jesus poured out. Jesus himself says that through his blood, he established a, a new covenant. The book of Ephesians says through his blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. First John, the blood of Jesus purifies us, cleanses us from our sin. And in the book of Revelation, John even, even goes further with the implication of that and says, we are freed. We are no longer slaves, but we are freed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. You see, the good shepherd laid down his life for us and he calls us by name. But it's the good host who prepares the table before us in the presence of our enemies. Around this table, we are anointed with oil. The stench of death is defeated. Around this table, our cup overflows. Around this table, we take with us God's promise of goodness and loving kindness all the days of our life. And for all of those who dine at this table, we have a promise a promise that certainly goes to the teachings of Jesus, but all the way back to Psalm 23. For all those who dine at his banquet table, the promise that you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus has left this banquet table so that we might remember him, so that we might anticipate his coming. The bread and the cup have been prepared and will be served today by our deacons. 
The Lord invites each of us to eat and to drink and to reflect on His goodness and His loving kindness. Through this Lord's Supper, we proclaim His death until He returns. Returns from where? From what? From preparing a place that we might dwell forever with Him. First Baptist Church invites all Anyone who professes and and believes that Jesus is Lord and Savior, we invite you to share in His supper with us in this moment. Let's pray. Father, You are the Good Shepherd. And You are the Good Host. And today we receive from You the One who laid down His life for sheep. The one who prepared a table in the presence of our enemies. We receive your supper in these moments. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This summer we have reflected on stories of faith. Psalm 23 has told us that the good host prepares a banquet table for us. That banquet table is before us today. Will you sup from it with us? This is a meal of faith, of receiving God's gift of life. As our deacons come to serve, I want to invite each of you to prepare your own hearts by confessing your sins, by receiving God's cleansing in your life. Today, will you receive from the Good Shepherd and the Good Host? Let's prepare our hearts. Amen.